You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today, we are joined by the absolutely fabulous Reese Velasquez, creator and casting director of Evolution Casting. But before we get started, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Tabal people of Yagera, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live and record, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Reese has worked professionally as a performer, creative and casting director since 2013 after graduating from the Arts Academy Ballarat. Their performance credits include Swing and Dance Captain in Shrek the Musical, Argue in Once on This Island, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Carry the Musical and so many more. In 2021, Reese decided to commit to their passion for casting full-time and established Evolution Casting. Their recent casting credits include Bonnie and Clyde with Joshua Robson Productions, Music of the Night with Spears Entertainment, and Recast and Consultation for Darlinghurst Theatre Company's A Chorus Line and Once. Reese is also a key casting collaborator for Antipods Theatre Company, having recently cast their upcoming production of And She Would Stand Like This and the remount of Ghost Quartet and their 2020 and 2021 Winter Lab focused on developing new works. Reese has also previously worked with Chameleon Casting on multiple television and online campaigns. Reese established Evolution Casting to be a positive force of change to make the arts industry more equitable and inclusive. Please welcome to the mic, Reese. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You have like so much like bright and like bubbly energy right now. I can't oh. stop looking at you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy that's like coming across because coming out of like lockdowns, you know, and everything that's happening at the moment, it's uh, yeah, it's good to keep a, a positive attitude. Yeah, of course. And how, how are you? How's how's things? How's life? What's going on? Oh, gosh, it's good. It's it's um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort of like easing into the year I mean it's so funny because we've come out of you know it's a tough couple of years and I think we all were like ready for a great 2022 I mean we're only 12 days in I still am hopeful for a great 2022 um but uh, yeah it's come off to a, a, a funny start hasn't it for the for the for the country that we're in um yes. but I think we'll get through it I think um I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, navigating how to get through all these times, but I'm really excited to figure that out and um, get back on, get the stages happening. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There's a lot going on at the moment and like all states as well, everyone's in it together. So exactly. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a crazy time. It doesn't quite feel now like it's New South Wales against Melbourne against Perth. No, 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 everyone's just pretty much like... Everyone, yeah, everyone's got COVID. The whole world. (laughs) Come on, everyone. You know, we're all just diseased. It's fine. Exactly. (laughs) But so tell us a little bit about yourself and where you fit into the world of theatre. Where do I fit in the world of theatre? It's funny, I feel like I've worn quite a few hats in my time so far in the industry, uh, mainly out of necessity I guess because for a long time I really struggled to figure out where I fit um, but at the same time knew that this was the only industry I wanted to be a part of 
Um, but I started uh, wanting to be a performer. And so I studied musical theatre at the Arts Academy in Ballarat. And that's where, in those three years there, that's where I sort of discovered that there was a few more strings to my bow. There was a few, like, other career paths in this industry that I also wanted to pursue outside of performing, um, those being choreography and casting. Um, and by the time I had graduated in 2013, I was pretty uh, sold on the fact that I wasn't going to be a performer at all, um, that I only yeah. wanted to do casting. Uh, and so when I graduated, I emailed like the few casting directors I knew at the time, got no responses, um, which made me go, okay, so what, okay, I, this is what I thought I was going to do. So, okay, what am I going to do? Um, and I remember mum was like, you've done a three year degree in performing. Can you just like, at least try? And I was like, okay, sh- sure. She was like, I want to see you at least like at one, on one stage. So I was like, okay, all right. So it gave me the chance to find that passion for performing again. Um, but then, yeah, I, for my first couple of years out, I was, uh, I really struggled again to figure out where I fit. Um, I was doing well in auditions and I, but I didn't know where I wanted to be. And I also sort of all the feedback I got was like, Oh, Reese, you were great. But we just couldn't make you fit into the show. Um, and so, you know, that didn't really inspire confidence in me. And I started to really tell myself, I'm like, you know what, you were right. Your first instinct is right. That you just, you're not made to be on stage. People don't want you on stage. Um, and so I decided to follow some other passions like choreography. Um, and I was lucky enough to start, I got a, an assistant gig on the Australian premiere of Dream Girls, which happened here in Nam in Melbourne, um, by a company called Stage Art. And I was the assistant choreographer on that. And from there, that same company asked me back to choreograph two more of their shows, um, which was Titanic and The Full Monty, which I really enjoyed. Um, mm. But the most exciting part about that was during that time so much of that informed my practice as a performer because I was there from where to go. I was there from the planning, the, uh, the planning of a show to the casting of a show to creating the show to them watching the show and keeping it in shape. Um, and I, it just informs so much of my practice about what works in auditions, what doesn't work in auditions. Um, yeah. And what creates, you know, memorable and great theater. Yeah. So I really took all of that and started auditioning again. Um, and from there, I started doing a lot of work in the children's entertainment sector, um, which is the hardest work you'll ever do. <laughs> the hardest work. In, in, let me tell you, but so rewarding at the same time. But I did yeah. this company called Lifelike Touring, and I started off in this um, theatre tour of Peppa Pig. And then from there, I was cast in um, Barney the Dinosaur Show, which we did in Saudi Arabia, oh of all places. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love they love Barney the Dinosaur there. Like the kids, eat it up. Um, and then, I thought Barney was gone, yeah. but no, he's back. He is back, he's and he's popular. in Saudi Arabia. Yes, um, yes, he is. And then from there, I was cast in Paw Patrol Live, which was this huge arena show of the popular cartoon. And because of my previous choreography experience, I was asked to be the dance captain. And we toured that um, around the world. I went to, I think, like nine different countries in the end. And so I did Canada, Australia, obviously, New Zealand, the Philippines, China, Abu Dhabi, uh, oh, God, where else? Um, I, at one stage, I was asked to 
um, I, I stepped up to associate choreographer and was sent over to South Africa to set up the production over there. Um, wow. Yeah, which was an amazing, I did that for about two years and that was a great experience. But then again, it, it got to the end and I remember thinking, okay, I have learned everything I want from this. I've got everything I need from this um, and I'm ready for the next phase. And I didn't know what yeah, that was yeah. going to be. And so, um, you know, and also living out of a suitcase for two years is, you know, it gets as much as the world travelers was amazing. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it got to a point where I was like, I just want to be like at home, like settled, you know? Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I came back and sort of just took some time to rest and realigned my goals. And I was like, you know what? I really want to be on those main stages for musical theater. Like that was the original dream. I want to achieve that before I move on. Um, and so I really applied myself and I booked a production company show. I did Thoroughly Modern Millie with them. And then yes. from there, booked Shrek the musical, which was oh. my dream come true. I was a swing in that. Um, but unfortunately, that tour was cut short initially because oh, of yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, it's a new thing. It's this crazy cuckoo virus yeah. going around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were unfortunately shut down, but we were lucky enough to come back uh, a year later to... Um, open it in Brisbane again which is like my hometown so that was really nice um and yeah and then from there I was cast in a show once on this island um yes yes. Um, so good I saw it guys (laughs) you missed out if you weren't there (laughs) yeah and and that was such an incredible experience um and that was when I sort of had this moment of I remember say I finished my number and I remember just sort of looking out and thinking huh I did it. I did everything that I thought I couldn't do. Yeah, I've done everything yeah. I wanted to do. Um, and I just felt this, it was a, this moment of clarity of like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the next step. And I, it came back full circle and I knew that was casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's where I am now. I started my own company, Evolution Casting. We only officially like launched in November of 2021. Um but yeah, I'm only it's at the very start of the next chapter of my career, but I'm really excited to see where it goes and I'm hopefully it's not the last chapter either. <laughs> 100% not. Oh, yes, definitely not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess on the topic of evolution casting, we're going to yep. get into a lot of that today and kind of chat to you about that because I think it's such an interesting part of the industry. Um, and we love talking about it because it's it's yeah. everyone's so different as well about how they do it and um, the direction of their own companies. Um, so how did you end up wanting to create Evolution Casting? How did that come to be? How did it come? Yeah, I, it's funny. I never, I never planned to start my own business, uh, mainly because I think the imposter syndrome was kicking in and I was just like, I mean, I can't even control my own bank accounts. Like, I don't know why I think I could run a business. Um, <laughs> I feel that on such a spiritual <laughs> level. Yes, I was like... <laughs> you want to start your own business girl come on um but during uh yeah during 2020 um and all the important discussions that were had um around our industry especially around diversity inclusivity um I really tried to immerse myself as much as possible in as in as many community discussions and initiatives and I sort of started to learn that, you know, one of the main reasons for the lack of diversity in our industry um, on stage was because of the lack of diversity off stage. 
um, in creative mm-hmm. and management roles. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to, uh, that was the sort of the beginning of me thinking that, you know, I need to think about stepping into casting sooner rather than later to sort of help guide those conversations. Um, and so, yeah, after I had done Shrek and I, again, in Brisbane, I remember thinking, okay, that's, this is it. I'm going to start focusing on casting. And I was telling lots of friends that I wanted to do it because it's, it, casting is hard. It's not one of those, um, I mm-hmm. mean, any <laughs> any job in this industry is hard to sort of <laughs> make work at times. But casting is one of those things, there's, there's no way to train for it, that you can't study mm-hmm. for it. Um, mm-hmm. There's no manual on like the do's and don'ts of casting. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know how to get my start. I didn't know where I wanted to go or who I wanted to learn from. Mm. Um, but I just sort of started telling people, like a lot of my colleagues, like, hey, I'm just letting you know, like I, I really want to get into casting so if you hear of anything please let me know um and from there I was lucky enough that quite a few independent producers heard of that and invited me to come onto their panels more as a consultant just to help them um make the spaces more inclusive um and then from there it sort of just kept snowballing to the point where I was like I need my own work address (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and so I was like okay I need to I guess I'll just, I'm like, I'll go into, I'm like, even though I don't feel like I'm ready to just come out as this, like, you know, ready to go casting director, I still feel like there's a lot of, a lot for me to learn about the craft and the business of it. I needed, yeah, out of necessity needed to create something that I could, like a solid work base to streamline all my work that I was getting. And um, more and more, I was just really not sold on the idea of Reese Velasquez casting. Um <laughs> I don't because I think deep down I sort of knew I was like the change that I want to try and enact in this industry I could not do it alone and that mm. I would need to build a community eventually to yeah. work towards Absolutely. that change um and I you know sadly I sort of feel like I know that the changes we want to see uh you know they're going to they're going to be an ever changing process um they're always the issues around our industry and inclusivity are always going to be evolving and changing um, and going beyond my own lifetime as a casting director. So I sort of wanted to create something that could continue past me. Yeah. And um, that's where I came up with the idea of evolution casting. That's- I love that. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And I think that literally even just the name, because it is something that is going to constantly evolve and change. And that's what you want it to do as well. Exactly. You want it to keep moving and keep up with the times. Yeah. And it's so phenomenal as well, being able to even consult on something because like it, this industry, like you said, especially for casting, there is no, there is no like, here's how to be a casting director now, go be free and do it. Yeah. That would have been such a great experience to then, you know, we all, we can all study as much as we want, but you learn the most from actually doing and being a part of the process and being part of the conversation. So being able to consult would have been better than, I guess, having a handbook or, you know, doing some form of course. Exactly. It is. And it, it's one of those things that you do have to learn on the job. And it's similar to performing or being a director or even producing. There's so many things that you can know about it. You can seek advice from people performing. You can, we go to uni for three years, uh, if we choose to do that. Um, and, but a lot of time you come out and you go, okay, now I need to forget everything they told me. Yeah. And forge my own path. Like it's, it's. Yeah. <laughs> 
come on <laughs> like, let's do it what, i mean i did that with uni like i studied for three years came out i was like huh all right everything they told me like as much as it improved me i need to let that go and figure it out for myself as well um and this is it, yeah it's the same with casting and each project i do i learn something different and my my um craft as a casting director changes or evolves mm-hmm. into something different and what I think is important in the casting process changes all the time so it is something that you really just learn on the job absolutely and so tell us a bit more about your mission with evolution casting obviously you you want to bring about this change that we are desperately seeking and desperately needing to see but what is like I guess like your mission statement with evolution casting yeah i i mean i created a mission statement which is available on my website if anyone wants to read it but i mean casting directors aren't required to have one um but i felt it was really important for me to have one mainly to clearly communicate to producers and other creators that want to work with me what my values are um, what's important to me and how I plan to go about casting a show to make it inclusive. Um, and also as a way to be held accountable, a way to for artists who might be stepping into auditions that I am running to sort of know what my, again, what my values are. Um, and they're, you know, up on the website for people to look at so, and for people to comment on. So, you know, if they feel like there's certain things in there that might not ring true to them or might be harmful, you know, they can talk to me about it. They're there for evaluation by my peers all the time. Um, And I think as well, because there is a lot of change that needs to happen, I created these mission points just to bring clarity to myself, um, to something that could be really overwhelming and sort of just remind myself what I believe is... Um, doable for me at this stage to create in the rooms um, and in my casting processes Um, because yeah I mean there's so much to think about that yeah you could easily just get overwhelmed and let everything go and they're just there as a reminder for me as well being like okay this is what I believe in Um, Mm. and you know when I feel overwhelmed with anything I come back to this this mission because I can understand especially as a casting director how as a performer how much pressure in a way we feel to make it a safe space for everyone and we want to see that so I can only imagine the pressure that you would feel wanting to create this amazing change and but knowing that you cannot you you cannot do it as just you yeah but you're going to make such a big impact so I can understand that you would want to assure yourself that you're doing absolutely everything in your power to make yeah. a change. And, and, yeah, and I just really wanted to be what I value to be transparent as well. I think that's really important. Mm. I think a lot of um, people are scared of accountability and I wanted people, you know, I don't claim to, I mean, I've got lots of lived experiences um, and I know what it's like to feel like you're not seen or not heard or um, not valued in a space. Um, and so you know, I don't want anyone else to feel like that. But at the same time, I don't claim to know all the answers and mm. I want, um, yeah, to be transparent about what I think is the best way forward and for that to be peer reviewed and that to be, um, 
yeah, accessible to everyone to know what my processes are um, and so that they know what the room is going to be like when I come in or what I'm aiming to create. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess on the note of casting Mm -hmm. and shows, so when you, when you do a show and you are casting for it, what is your philosophy with that? How do you go about creating the right room? And is there anything that um, you like to do to kind of make everyone feel comfortable? And, um, and how do you go about finding the people that you want? Oh yeah. My philosophy. Um, I mean, to make a safe, uh, a space as safe as possible. I'm the thing I like, uh, I like to do is know as much about the artist before they're coming in, um, as possible. Um, just sort of to know where their strengths lie, that I'm bringing them into a space where they'll be able to show those strengths, you know, and just know anything that, you know, there's so many, um, accessibility issues about, theatre um, and auditions in general, whether it's for screen or for the stage. Um, and that's a huge thing for me as well, is sort of knowing um, and getting to know the artists and what, they, what environments they feel safe in and trying to emulate that for the artist that's about to come in and not just mm. um, create an audition space that's like everyone, you know, just auditions in the same space. I sort of want yeah. to try and create a space that I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And I, and that's something I like to do as well. Cause then I can let the panel know before they come in to be like, just letting you know, this person um, identifies neurodiverse. There's certain things that might trigger them here. Are, you know, just be sure to, you know, be aware of that in the room, in, um, or this is just letting you know that this person likes a space that feels like this. They like things to be run in a certain way. And that's how we're going to run it. Um, and yeah. just so you know, there's certain things like that that I've started to enact. Um, so, I, you know, in my sort of job forms, you know, I sort of ask if there's anything that they need in the audition to make it, to make them feel like they can do the best job possible. Um, it's so interesting because I, like, uh, Tori and I are both neurodiverse. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to hear you say that there is, like, that's how you want to cast because... Yeah. I think feeling like that's not valid or like some things that might trigger you or or things like that with an audition situation yeah. usually aren't valid and you're kind of under the same conditions but things can trigger people and yeah. you don't want to seem weaker or you don't want to seem like, oh, you can't do the same as someone else but to be like put in a situation that's safe for anyone. Yeah, I mean, because auditions are, no matter what, there's just no way around um, making auditions fun. As You know, like, <laughs> they are stressful. They are so many artists, you know, have, you know, put so much stock into their auditions. It's their livelihood. Yeah. And so there's a certain amount of, you know, auditions are always going to be awkward and 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 in a sense hard to deal with. And so I want to create, a, you know, that's what I mean. If I can just create you know, even put a small change in there where I know that this person would really appreciate it if it just ran like this, if they knew exactly the order of events that was going to happen in the room or whatever they need, just making those small shifts that are not hard to make. No. Um, you know, and tailor it to each individual that's about to come in. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I don't think that's that hard. And I think, you know, people have just put it in the too hard basket. Um, yes. Yes. And so that's something that is really important to me. Um, and I'm constantly learning as well. You know, there's so many times I have learned, I'm like, okay, I think this, you know, this person told me 
told me they need this and then certain things will come up i'm like oh okay okay i can see how things can quickly get off track too um Mm -hmm. and you know learning different ways to make sure that yeah i'm always making the artists feel like they are being seen they're being heard and they're um and being valued while they're in that space because really i i my philosophy in the audition is that this time is about the artist and not about us and so um that's where i come from in a sense um yeah, I guess that that's sort of my philosophy for auditions. But yeah, casting a show. My, my philosophy for, for casting is just make it exciting. <laughs> like yes. I, I, I am someone that is excited by the cast when the cast yeah. is announced, and you you just whether it's like the obvious choice or yeah. something that feels a bit left of center. But you just when you see the cast and you're like yes like that's i want to see <laughs> that because of them that is what that's what i always try to achieve you know cast mm-hmm. that are going to excite me um yes. and hopefully everyone um yes. but yeah that's what i that's what i just try to do i just want people to be excited to see the show to see the people in it and that's what um and obviously create shows where everyone can see themselves reflected in some way in that yes. show um that's a huge um aspect of the casting process for me can everyone you know this is there a chance for everyone to have um or as many people to feel seen as possible and mm-hmm. does it is it a cast that's yeah maybe slightly outside of the type or slightly um or even if it is the obvious choice that people just go yes that's they're the performances I want to see. Yeah. They're excited. Yeah, because there's, I think there's nothing worse. And because it does happen sometimes where I see in cast lists that I've like desperately been waiting for and you kind of go, oh, 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 okay. Yeah. What? Oh, that's, that's, exactly. that's yeah. okay. And I've done that too. And sometimes I'm proven wrong. Sometimes I'm proven right. Yeah. yeah. There's just things that cast come out and that's often the thing that's always excited me. I'd be like, oh, oh, I need to see that. Like yeah. I need yes. to see you know, this person do it or, you know, oh my God, I did not see them, this person at all. Like, yes. and so now I'm really excited to see what, why they got it. I think that's one of the biggest privileges for me that I've discovered so far as a casting director is that I see so many options for the role. I'm, I'm like one of the few people that gets to see every, you know, avenue that the show could have taken yeah, and I'm the first one to ignore, you know, to witness, you know, what the show is going to be. Definitely, it's, it's yeah. a really, it's a real privilege, um, and just sort of knowing how each individual performer can bring something so different, and and that's yeah, and that's what makes casting so hard too. You're just constantly like, okay, so there was eight different versions there, and all eight were incredible which one do we want you know it's, yes. it's you're like ah trust the gut i guess a gut. lot of the time yeah just i yeah. love seeing new talent as well like uh, that's something oh. i just love i think because sometimes some big shows go for like stars and people we know but when they have like people in lead roles that we don't that excites me because i'm like oh this is yes. a new person that that i can invest in and see their journey it's so exciting it is it's something yeah it is really exciting when you get to see someone new especially in principal roles um i think it's you know yeah because of our industry and how tiny it is, I guess, in compared mm. to other Western industries in the world. Um, 
you know, a lot of producers do have to rely on star power to sell tickets. And so when that risk is taken to put someone new there, there's something about going, wow, that person must have been so right and did so well in that audition that they had, there was no choice but to take that risk, you know? Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's really exciting. I love that. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's the most exciting thing, I think, uh, most recently, like A Jagged Little Pill was one that I personally was really, cons- like, uh, I was stressed, honestly. I was like, I'm not even <laughs> part of this, but I'm stressed for that cast list because if it's not right, it's just not going to happen. It could be really problematic, yes. And I saw it and went, oh, this is, there are so many new people, which also gives people like us hope because we go, sometimes you see cast and you're just like, oh, I'm just never, I'm never going to get cast on anything because I'm not one of these people that everybody knows. But then to see all these new people and like get get to experience new voices and which just feels like something we don't get enough of here. It's just so exciting. And, and also knowing that, because obviously casting directors are, I guess, on our side they want us to succeed but also knowing that you are also going out of your way specifically to make it a safe space because as eliza was saying we are neurodiverse and there are definitely things that i've always kind of been you know you don't want to say anything because you feel like it's going to make you look a certain way or it's going to make you seem weak or like you're not going to be fit for the show and it's like no i am but i want to have the best chance possible and knowing that you want to create that space uh, to be able to do that it, it just means so much to us it literally made me like sigh like relief mm-hmm. knowing that if I do get the opportunity to be in a room with you that I'm gonna feel comfortable and that I'm gonna feel safe because they are stressful like castings are still fun and there's still a fun time but there is always a level like a borderline level of stress regardless so it's, yeah. it's, it's so <laughs> lovely to know that you really are on our side and doing the best to make sure that we have the best experience and can also give our best self because that's what you're there to see as well is our best self. So it's like, it's, it's making your job easier as well. Exactly. And, and, and that's, uh, yeah, you've nailed it on the head because I mean, obviously I, I understand what it is to audition and I know how daunting and scary they can be. And so I don't understand why people wouldn't want to try and make it as safe a space as possible. And I think there's been so, you know, I mean, this is just across all industries, the whole world, really. It This idea of like, you know, we can't cater to everybody. So, you know, we'll just apply one method. And if you, if that doesn't work for you, sorry about it, you know, but yeah. me, I'm like, I get that we're busy and casting processes can be long and they're long days, but, a lot of the time those shifts are so tiny and we're not seeing the whole world. We're seeing 50 people in a day, you know, it's easy just to make small adjustments throughout the day to make everything a bit simpler and, and safer for them. Yeah. It's not that hard. hard. Like, come on guys. Come on. (laughs) I feel like everything that you've kind of spoken about, it, it is like, and you don't necessarily think about it until it's brought to your attention. I'm like, oh yeah, all of these like really small things would have made past auditions so much more just like breezy and just feel like I can just create and I can be there and I can be present without going, oh, there's a mirror there. I can see myself, try not to focus on it, but also don't look down and, you know, oh, I can hear someone's phone buzzing. Like that's completely, you know, because there are things for everyone, whether it be accessibility due to disability and neurodiversion, things like that, that 
make such a big impact but I'm now going to ramble about that um it's it's amazing to know that you really are yes not good (laughs) um it's amazing to know that you are there and you are also kind of I guess fighting for us to make your job easier to make our job easier it's it's all like a give and take um exactly yeah and that's what I mean it makes our job and it does it makes our job easier and harder like don't you want everyone to be incredible yeah, you know, don't you want everyone to be the best they can be, so that you are seeing what the show could be at its best? 100%. You know, so yeah, that's where I'm like, it's all about for me. Obviously, it's about creating the show and and facilitating the needs of the creative team and making sure that they get to see what they need to see to make the show, you know, their vision work. Um, but at the same time, you know. I want everyone to, yeah, to be able to feel empowered to come in and deliver their version and do it in a safe space so that they, you know, that the creative team also has the opportunity to see the show in many different ways and how in in the many different ways it can exist. I guess, so you've like, and you've really already touched on this a lot. I'm going to ask the question anyway, (laughs) because you've obviously worked, you know, on both sides of the table now and you've had the opportunity to work in so many different facets how does it feel knowing that you've worked on both? But that means that you now have this amazing personal perspective as well. It's so funny because I always think about how, you know, initially when I, as I said, when I graduated and I wanted to go into casting straight away, it's so funny. Like, I think that was just the universe being like, no, not yet. Because you coming into this, into casting now with the perspective, you know, a lot of people do head into casting with lots of different perspectives, having come Mm. from different parts of the industry, whether it's from the admin side, whether it's as an actor, as a director. Um, But I've just experienced so many different levels of it that really inform my practice. And so being an actor, being uh, a person of colour, being some non-binary, being... um, having been a choreographer and so knowing from the outset what you know what's involved for the choreographer having worked really as a choreographer working closely with directors knowing what they need what music directors need um you know having performance training so knowing what goes into um a lot of different actors crafts and and sort of being able to identify certain things about them as a performer um, and and knowing how to talk to them as a performer. Being on both sides has really just informed my practice as a casting director so much. Like it's, it's, I'm so thankful that I was sort of forced to go through that journey because now I've got all, I feel like I've got all the tools I need to be the best casting director I can be because I just have so many different perspectives on on the role that's that's amazing i really am a huge advocate for people to be multidisciplinary in this um Mm. in this industry you know um some people are really lucky to dedicate themselves to the one craft and make that living from it but you know not everyone can be and so being multidisciplinary even if it's not to pursue as a career as a multidisciplinary artist but as a just to help inform you there's so much that can be learned from you know, just doing that one assistant directing giggle, just, you know, being the assistant to the producer, being whatever it is. There's so yeah. much that can be learned to going, you just see that different perspective. And there's so many times as a performer, I'm like, what, God, why would they do that? It's so obvious, like, that they would should do it this way. And then I'm sitting that side, I'm like, aha. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I, I see. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I see why they do it this way. And, yes. you know, and not saying that, you know, everyone's got it right, but there are so many times I'm like, okay, I see why they're not doing it this way, but maybe we can do it this way, you know? So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I feel like I have a really interesting perspective on the role just c- coming from all the different avenues that I have and all the different hats that I've worn in my time yeah. so far. 100%. And, it, yeah. and it's, I think it, it makes such an impact and it's, like yeah, I think it makes I don't know if I'd say perfect but like it makes you so good for the role because you do have all those different points of view so you know what that actor is thinking how shit scared they are walking into this audition so you know how to make it the safest space possible it's just I think it makes for a really good casting director and understanding how each of these different roles feel and are impacted but we are going to move on to a bit yeah. of a game oh oh gosh okay <laughs> So, and this is a game just for you. This is this is a rapid fire question round. Oh, uh, yeah. So this means that you've just got to <laughs> you've just got to think of the answer whatever the, whatever comes out the top of your head first. Oh god, this could be dangerous. Okay. 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 <laughs> we are ready. Get ready to hear some trade secrets everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Controversial up in here. Yeah. All right. Eliza and I are going to go back and forth between the questions. The mm-hmm. first question is your celebrity crush. Go. My first celebrity crush was Josh Hutchison. <gasps> of course. That's where all my, all my queerness came from that. I remember being like, I don't know how old I would have been when I first watched Bridge to Terabithia, but like I would have been like 11 or 12. We're the same age, Josh and I. So this is not, you know, creepy. But, um, <laughs> but I remember being like, 11 or 12, whenever that movie came out and being like, he's cute. And then being like, <laughs> did I just, what? Um, and then just, you know, and then it all like, again, my life is like full circles. I always say like, I feel like everything comes full circle for me. I remember reading the, I was obsessed with the hunger games. Yes. And I am a true Peter fan. I'm like, Peter is who is it? the love of my life. Like, you know, and so when they announced the movies and then Josh Hutchison was playing Peter, I was like, how dare you do this? You can't do this to me. You can't do that to me. <laughs> my heart. My my heart can't take it. Um, I'll never find anyone now because I need Josh Hutchison as Peter. You know, it, it's like knowing that exists in the world. Yeah. But I mean, you've got to have those standards high because those are the standards that you deserve. Well, thank you. That's what I think too. Thank, thank yeah, you so much for exactly. enabling that. <laughs> Okay, go to karaoke song. Oh, um, oh, oh. I, I think it's <laughs> "Alone" by Heart. Do you know that song? I don't know if you. No. <laughs> okay, maybe showing my age. It's like I don't, I don't even actually know what decade is from, but it's yeah, it's a good like power ballad, belt to the oh rooftop. I, I'm imagining like Celine Dion. Yeah. Vibes. Yeah, it, yeah, it has a bit of that. It's a re- it's a real power ballad. I really suggest that you uh Yeah. I might I might just include like a tiny like little like 5 second clip of it right here so we don't get uh demonetized. Um yeah. <laughs> Um now the next one this could be controversial. Oh. Do you put the cereal in the bowl before or after milk? Before. I didn't know that was another option. Yeah, people people put milk in first. And then put cereal. But, like, how do you know how much milk you want? 
Right? That's the question. Uh, right. My like, partner. I'd rather choose how much cereal I need. Yeah. How hungry am I that day? Choose the cereal and then go, okay, so this much milk is needed. Right? My mm-hmm. partner. My partner. She's a, she's a dirty little, she puts the milk in first. And I'm like, but how do you? That's a, red flag. That's a red flag. No. <laughs> red flags. But this, this was, this was absolutely the. Well, yeah. Could be a deal breaker. Red flag. Deal breaker. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Your go-to hangover cure. I mean, I'm pretty, I feel like I've never overly been that hungover. Thank the Lord. I, th- I mean, I get really lethargic. So I guess like, I just like aircon and like oh, a day of Netflix. Yes. You know what I mean? That's all I need to recover. I'm just like, let me lie on the couch in freezing temperatures and just watch like Grey's Anatomy or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bacon and egg sandwich as well. Always does well, me I, good. I'm a vegetarian. Um, <gasps> so... I actually, you know, my thought was what if you are a vegetarian and <laughs> you are? So I understand how great a bacon and egg sandwich can be, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> my go-to when I'm, when I am, you know, have been drinking and on the way home and you need that Macca's run, yeah. um, my, it's, this is pretty disgusting, but I get a Big Mac, but I take the beef out and put hash browns in it. <gasps> okay, no, that doesn't, no. Well, I don't care no. if it sounds gross. That also sounds, like, amazing. Divine. It's incredible because it's like, yeah, it's it, it's pretty intense because it's like carb, heavy carb, 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 heavy carb, carb, but... But there's lettuce in there. Let's not forget. There is lettuce. There's a sprinkling and there's of lettuce. And there's a bit of, like, onion. So don't you've come got, for me. You're getting in your, your five a day. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. Exactly. My five carbs a day, I've got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how that works, right? That's how the yeah, food pyramid works. I think that's what they meant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the final one. This could be hard. I don't know. But you're going to sing the chorus of the first song that comes to mind. Till now, I've always got by on my own. That's my karaoke track. Oh, yes! <laughs> okay, but yes, 100%. I feel like we need, um, I don't know if you guys have seen on uh, TikTok at the moment, there's that trend going around um, where they sing, oh my God, what's the song? It's Celine Dion. When you touch me like this. And you- yes! Oh, people like going absolutely nuts. I think, I feel like we need a moment of that, but of you singing this song. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we do. We can just for promo. We'll just put it out there. A yeah. really like crazy eighties music video yeah. clip of me I belting this it. out. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, that was our little rapid fire session. Just to break things up. Great. <laughs> you did. You did great. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stress you out too much with like being like, here. What are these random lyrics to a song? Go. Oh, God. no. Yeah, I would have passed out. I would have been like, just like been like. Bye. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for the interview. Over. Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. Because I, I get so stressed out. Sometimes I'm like, I can't, I don't know the lyrics to this song. It's so like... And I'm one of those people as well. Like I find that, like, you know, I've listened to your podcast and when you played games with other hosts, I like know the answers, but I just sort of knew I was like, it's going to come to me and I'll be like, I don't, like, I'll just blank. Like yeah. putting, being put on the spot is the worst thing for me. I just, yeah. it's like, yeah, too much. Well, you did well, don't worry. You, Thank you. <laughs> beautiful. So jumping back into it, and, and we're jumping we're jumping back into it, what are some changes that you think and that you like that we need to see within the Australian industry? 
Ooh, how much time have we got? Um. <laughs> All right, guys, buckle in. We're going to be here for um, a few oh, hours. Gosh. Um, I mean, there's all the obvious things like I want to see more diversity on our stages and off stage, um, better representation as well of those people, um, of often marginalized uh, communities, but I would love to see a bit more focus on the inclusivity part of it all, the inclusion part of it, because bringing more diverse people into your workplace doesn't automatically make it safe for them. And I don't, you know, I don't understand, you know, I don't, I don't understand why you would want to bring people into an unsafe work environment. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that I would love to see the people in power in this industry. And that includes people in the cast as well, to have a bit more focus on the inclusion part, you know, having people of color, there, people with neurodiversities, disabled artists, um, trans and non-binary artists into the, you know, bringing, putting, just purely putting them on stage or on our screens doesn't mean that it's a safe industry or better industry for them or that, you know, the problem is solved. So I'd love a lot more uh, focus on the inclusion aspect of it. And just also, you know, I, I understand that there is a huge demand for change at the moment and sometimes it can be really hard to facilitate, you know, so I understand that, but I would love for companies to, really take the time to look into their practices and look at why inclusion and diversity is hard to facilitate Mm -hmm. and really start to make meaningful changes that will eventually get them to a point where that's no longer a problem or the problem is not as, you know, big as it has been. Because I think that's the thing as well. So many people take action that's um, in reaction or in fear of being called out. Mm. And rather, if that does happen, take that as a privilege to be able to go, okay, we might not be able to, we did everything we thought we could to facilitate change and to make this more diverse, this production more diverse. Um, But we came into a lot of roadblocks. And so how are we, instead of being like, well, we tried, but there was roadblocks, how are we removing those roadblocks for the future? coming into this now sitting on the side of the panel i'm really invested in the long game of it and you know i'm not looking for quick changes i understand that sometimes things can be hard to cast that things can you know of course it's going to be hard to cast because those people have never felt included so why would they be readily readily available now yeah you know when why would artists be ready to step up to the plate when they've never been required to or they've never been invited to step up to the plate you know so a lot of my work at the moment is about empowering artists that have often been disempowered to step up and so that in the next couple of years when it's they are required to step up again they're ready and so that's something that i'm you know and that i would push the other creatives and producers and theater companies and all that start to do as well start laying the groundwork if you can't enact something right now start building the foundations of it so that in two years time three five years time ten years time that's no longer a problem yeah constantly coming to it and being like oh we tried though and there was no one there there was no one available like we couldn't do it too hard but sorry yeah yeah bullshit (laughs) Yeah, it's it's. I'm not. I'm, try, I'm not comparing these two things, but it's like when people say, "Oh, me not you know uh, with global warming." Oh, me like not using a plastic thing. Me, me one person is not gonna 
affect that. But I was like, no, no, no. But you, what you don't understand is that you're helping yourself to make better decisions in the future to then help other people make better decisions in the future. So that in, you know, a few years time, hopefully we're just all making these decisions and it's just the norm. It's no longer like a radical thing to do. Exactly. It's all, it's all laying that foundation so that yes, it might not have an impact today, tomorrow in a year, but like, you know, 10 years down the line, it will have an impact. And if we don't make those changes, well then nothing's, it's just not, it doesn't just magically one day fix itself. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what, uh, I think that's, I mean, that's the trap with a lot of these conversations that happen and not just in our industry, but just, you know, across all of them that there is this, you know, when things are, when problems arise and things are called out, we go for the quickest, you know, we put the bandaid on it instead of actually letting it mend, you know, and or finding the ways to properly fix it. Um, And I mean, people are also really scared of cancer culture, which I think... Did you say cancer culture? Did you say cancel? No, cancel culture. Oh, my God. You said cancer culture. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I was like... Um, There isn't a cancer culture out there. I mean, I I think people are scared of cancer culture, too. Um, (laughs) I mean, as you should be. Yeah, as you should be. Um, Yeah, people... It's so funny because, again, I'm one of those people that, in a sense, believes cancel culture is a myth like mm. i'm like i other than people that have done horrendous things yeah you know all the people that claim to be cancelled seemingly do much better after they've been cancelled a hundred percent see you know their careers go up whatever happens they continue working it's fine um and i'm not saying that people aren't haven't been cancelled or have felt you know i think the the pressure of being called out um especially when you're at the centre of that, of, of course, is really daunting and frightening. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I like to say call-out culture because I think what happens is a lot of people will call out injustices um, and then that leads to people reacting in a certain way, which then leads to people being scared to do the wrong thing so they cancel it and then onus falls back to the people that aired their opinions Mm-hmm. being like you did this and so i think it's yeah cancel call out culture is you know i think again i like i think it's a privilege in a sense to be called out i think that you need to make mistakes because if you do not make mistakes how are you going to learn and how are you going to make your casting better or how are you going to make it more inclusive and go oh well we didn't even think about that but everyone is not happy about this how do we fix this and not just you know, pretend it didn't happen. Exactly, exactly. Like, yes, call them out. Let call them make out. them aware so that they can grow. Yeah, exactly. Not so that they just go, oh, well, screw you, my opinion is not going to change, but I'm going to leave, you know? Yeah. I love it. Call out culture. New yes. thing. <laughs> so what shows are you excited to see in 2022? Oh gosh, honestly anything. I'm just I'm ready to see more things, all the things. Um I I've been working on uh Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, I was the casting director on that, um, which is going to happen at the Hayes with Joshua Robson Productions. Um and yeah, the cast hasn't been announced yet. It's not until like I don't think it's on until June now. It's been postponed twice. Um I know. So uh, I really hope it goes ahead for them this time. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for that cast to be announced and I think it's going to be an incredible show. So I'm excited to see that. Um, a chorus line is happening 
soon as well with Darling Her City Company, which I did a, a little bit of work on. I helped them. Um, I did a bit of casting consultancy on that. Um, and I'm so I'm coming up to Sydney, um, to Gadigal Land to see that at the Opera House. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, but just honestly, anything like it's festival season is about to start in in here in Nam in Melbourne um, with Midsummer and um, Melbourne International Comedy Fest comes up straight after that and then soon after that it's fringe and then the short and sweet festival i love Ooh. i loved all the theater festivals that and the arts festivals that happen um i love seeing artists you know at ground level like hustling and making awesome art um yeah. and so uh yeah i'm excited for that to hopefully because all of them have been cancelled in the last couple of previous years so i'm really excited to go back and just some, see some really cool stuff at the ground level as well that's the stuff that really excites me off you know a lot of the time Absolutely. And I think as it should, new work is like bloody exciting. And it's so exciting for like knowing that people are going to see it. Um, and knowing, you know, um, this will probably come out too late for it, but uh, Panamo, Pandemonium, Pan- Panamo Pandemonium at KXT in um, King's Cross is going to be starting in a couple of weeks. And I'm so excited. There's so many n- new and fresh works and so many like just absolutely kick-ass works. So like new works are like some of the things that I am like, always most excited for like i'm so excited to see a chorus line because it's been reimagined yeah and, like i think it's one of the first professional productions of that show um to allow original choreography and i'm you know i've having done a bit of work yeah where they haven't had to use the original yeah. choreography and amy's been able to put her own spin on it um and having seen the audition tapes and what was required of these dancers i am it it is, you know, proof. It, it, the, the choreography that Amy has done is proves that dance to athletes. It's intense, and yes. I'm so excited to see it. I think it's, yeah, yeah going to be very exciting. It's, it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to see, obviously, all of it, but especially Cassie's dance. Oh, I'm, I'm. Oh yeah, and favorite. Amatis. Oh god, that oh, is god. A, she is a talent. So I'm excited. I am so excited, but we're in 2022 now. Mm-hmm. where do you hope to take evolution casting in the future and what are you hoping that 2022 brings both yourself and evolution oh. big, uh, big questions here huge. <laughs> um it's funny i mean like i only launched evolution yeah november 2021 uh, so i still feel like i'm in such the infant yeah. area of my career i'm still building my own and sort of figuring out where I want to go. But I don't know, eventually, I, I guess that's where my focus is for 2022 is to build my own career and my own influence and um, reputation as a casting director to then eventually, you know, I'd love in five years time to uh, expand that. As I said, I want to grow a community. I want to empower yeah. um, other creatives that uh didn't think that they belonged in this industry, that they could make an impact of some form and empower people from often marginalised communities to believe that they could do creative and management roles as well. So I'd love to eventually create a team. Uh, would be so busy that I have to have a team of people working with me that you are will. working towards the same goal. Um, obviously my expertise uh, is in musical theatre, but I would love to expand that into um, television and film as well. Um yeah, just have an office full of people running around, like working on very different and diverse projects and 
I don't know, maybe go international. I don't know. I have lots of hopes and dreams for it, but at this, you know, at right now I'm really just focusing um, on building the career for myself so that then I can pass that on and grow it yeah. for other people. I see it in your future. I mean, I can only see it going up, honestly. Like it's, it's oh, so important you. to have people like you working in this industry and I'm hoping that your presence also impacts other people. Like you said, it's, and like, um, beautiful olivia vasquez has said before it starts from the top that's there's only so much you can do within certain areas so it needs to come from the top and hopefully having people like you in the industry it it, it has such a great impact i think um and brings so much awareness that people are aware but when they see people making moves it kind of makes them go okay all right i guess i have to do this i honestly believe that everyone if you want to be involved in the arts, there is a place for you. And, you know, and maybe it, it takes a bit of creativity to find out what that space is. And it might not be, you know, the, you think the thing you first think it is, or, you know, all your yeah. first pattern. And, you know, for me, that was performing. And I thought that's what I was going to want to do. And then it was, you know, I'm so thankful that I discovered that there were so many more strings to my bow and other things I was passionate about. Cause I think that's what will, uh, eventually create the longevity I have in this industry. Thank you so much for coming on today. We are not quite finished yet, but I do want to let everyone know, obviously you have to go follow Reese and Evolution Casting. You can find both Reese and Evolution Casting on Instagram. Yes. Reese is under Reyonce. Yes. yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's <laughs> R-H-Y-O-N-C-E underscore underscore. So make sure you go and follow Reyonce. Also, make sure you follow Evolution Casting AU, which is exactly how I said it. We will link these all below. And of course, also make sure if you are a performer, if you are someone that works in the industry, that you go over to the Evolution Casting website, which is just evolutioncasting.com. Um, because and I'm just opening it up right now because I'm going to say this wrong. That you had, or maybe you don't have it up anymore. Oh. That you would just... Yes, artist submission form yes. on your website. Guys, get on there, do it. I will be doing it eventually once I have footage to put on there. <laughs> it's mostly set up for freelance artists um, to introduce themselves to me and yeah. you know, I ask lots of in-depth questions to really get to know them as much as possible. Um, and I also have a form on there for creatives, so people that want to venture into directing choreography, producing, casting, all those sort of things. Um, because that's it, something else that I, uh, something different that I also want Evolution Casting to help with is that producers um, can also hire Evolution Casting to help cast, create, and build their creative teams as well to be more inclusive. And so I want to know about all the people that are wanting to become a directors. And um, I've got lots of friends that are creatives and I would love to connect people that want to do that as well to those sort of people so that they can start communication or maybe start assisting them and things like that. Absolutely. So this is an amazing resource. That was the word I was initially looking for. Um, So guys, head to evolutioncasting.com. But before we finish, we do have our little segment called Bedtime Stories, which is about mishaps. This can be a stage mishap. It can be an audition mishap. It can be absolutely anything you want. uh, Preferably something that falls along the lines of you know, something that you think of randomly again at 3am in the morning and you just cannot stop thinking about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, oh, God. Hmm, let me think. 
there's many to choose from, I guess. <laughs> I, I, probably the one that like I often think about is when I was doing Paw Patrol. Um, so the puppets are huge, when you, especially when you play. I was a swing and a dance captain. Um, but the puppets that we wear as the dogs, like they're big. They're like up to 20 kilos on our bodies. And, um, I mean, you can still see us in them because we're like our front legs are standing, you know, our legs are in the front legs and the back legs are connected to them. And then we are controlling the head sort of like a puppet. There's like triggers and like the big head is yes. big and hollow and we're like pulling all these triggers to operate the eyes and the ears and the mouth and stuff like that, as well as singing and dancing and acting on top of that. Um <laughs> And I remember I, it was the first time I was on for as one of the dogs, as one of the pups. And I was playing Marshall, who's this really excitable pup. Um, and so you've got to put a lot of energy into it. And I hadn't been in one of the dogs for a long time. It was a last minute change. I had to jump in really quickly right before the show started. And the first dog to come out and I rush out. And I remember I was just so excited. I was doing the choreography and singing my own little verse and like, being so excited, I just ripped the head off the dog <gasps> in front of like four thousand kids in the Margaret Court Arena, and oh I ripped the head off. And I like instantly just were like put it back down. And then like I heard some kids in the front row be like, <gasps> like scream. You've just decapitated I just, him. I literally decapitated one of their favorite characters in front of four thousand children. And but then the scary part was being like that, obviously shocking me. Then being like, I can't like it's too hard to get the head in back, like to pop it back in by yourself. And so I was like, okay. So I'm trying to think about singing and it's a a role I've never done before whilst also remembering the moves, remembering the lines and also remembering the head is decapitated. I have to like keep it low so that it doesn't like, isn't too obvious. And it was just, it was a lot to think about, you know, there's already being a swingers, there's already so much to think about. And then knowing that you've decapitated the dog and that your costume's not, you know, your puppet is, is not functioning properly oh is another whole thing to, <laughs> uh, that you know, is insane. Oh and my I often gosh. think like, you know, are there kids out there that are like, I'm traumatized from the fact that one time I went and saw my favorite pup and it was decapitated in front of me. I'll never, I'll never see theater again. That was traumatizing. I was going to say, I think you've, I think you've probably scarred some children, but then I, again, I, all good artists do at some point oh, in their no. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know so that's probably yeah that's probably it my bedtime story that was fabulous and perfect (laughs) and everything we could have asked for um nothing like a good uh, on stage decapitation um of a puppet but once again thank you so so much we have sadly come to the end of our time today um seriously we could talk to you for for hours and i'm sure everyone would be well, people might not be as invested as we are, but, you know, I think they would be. But that's my opinion. But thank you so, so much for coming on today, Reese. It has been an absolute pleasure for having you. You're amazing. Thank you so oh, much for doing what no, you do and you. bringing this so to the forefront of casting. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me and allowing me to share my message. And, um, yes, big fan of your podcast. So I'm very excited to hear the rest of the season as well. Oh, my gosh. I can't can't deal with it. (laughs) All right, you guys, that is it for today. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode for you. But until then, stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye. You can say bye too if you want. Oh, bye. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.